Mother's Day. Happy Father's Day. Praise God. I was thinking about uh, Father's Day, and I, I thought about something that really touched my heart. One of my sons, our oldest son, Gary, he was a teenager, and Gary's theology was to see how close you can get to hell without going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, he, so he would kind of push the button. And one day, one day he got stopped. He was in a car with about five or six teenagers, and they were stopped by the police. And the police was, you know, kind of chewing them out and talking about, you know, that uh, they need to have a good upbringing and, you know, just that way. And Gary spoke up and he said, my daddy's a man of God. And the, the police officer uh, came to me. I, he knew who I was and he came to me and told me about it. And that's the, that's the greatest compliment that I believe that I can receive as a father is my dad is a man of God. And so I've aspired my whole Christian life. I want to be a man of God. I want people when they talk about me to think about, he's a man of God. I believe our testimony should be when we go out into the world, that we're not like the rest of the world. Praise God, we're men of God. There's something different about us. We're going to make a difference wherever we go because we're, we're a man of God. Well, to be a man of God, I want to share some things that are important for you if, you if you do desire to be a man of God. And one of them is you must be born again. How many of you know in the Bible, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. In other words, there's no way to go but to be born again. If you want to be a man of God, you must be born again. Now, many people don't understand the complexity of that because we are triune beings. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. Now, when you get born again, your soul does not get born again. Your body does not get born again. Your spirit gets born again. So when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead and you decide I'm going to live for God, your spirit man is born again. You're on your way to heaven. But you have a re-unregenerated soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, is not born again. And neither is your body born again. You're still living in the same body that you were living in before you were born again. But now God has to do a work on us so that we have to bring our, our soul, which part of it is your mind. Your mind has to be renewed by the word of God. Your will must be submitted to the will of God. Your emotions must be uh, brought into line with what the word of God teaches. You can't just go through life acting any way you want to, to. Want to. You have to decide 
What does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach? And the Word of God helps us bring our soul, our emotions, our will into line with what God desires for a man or a woman of God. And since we're talking about a man of God, I may refer to them, but I'm not trying to put the women down because we need women of God just like we need men of God. But men, we need to have a testimony in the world today that we are men of God. We're going to serve God. We're going to put God first. We're going to do what God wants us to do. But when you get born again, and I, I got born again in 1963. And I, I wanted, here's, here's what, when I got born again, I could not wait to get to church. I wanted to get to church. But in every church service, I'd wind up crying. I, I'm not, I just don't feel like I measure up. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not what the other men are. I, I don't seem to be really seeing what they see in the Bible. I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't know how to understand the Bible. I'm going through that, but I wanted to know God. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to be with God's people. I wanted to pray, but I didn't know, I didn't know how. I just kind of got out there and, and scraped and scrambled till I could kind of take a little step here and a little step there. And then one day, this was, this was probably within a month after I was born again. At that time, I was a, a CPA and I was doing an audit in Gunnersville, Alabama. We lived in Gadsden, Alabama. Gunnersville's about an hour's drive. And I was in my vehicle driving to Gunnersville to do that audit. And I, you know, really wasn't thinking about God too much, but I was just, you know, just kind of singing to myself. And suddenly, I saw I had a vision. I didn't know what a vision was. I had never heard of a vision. I, had I didn't even know there were visions. But, I, and I don't know if I can explain it where you can understand it, but I saw myself go to heaven. And I'm in a car driving a car. Does anybody understand that? I don't understand that. It's, it's beyond my comprehension. But I saw myself in heaven. I walked up to what I perceived was the gate of heaven. And uh, there was a person there who I perceived to be Peter. And uh, I walked up to the gate and he said, uh, well, he said, uh, how do you plead, Guilt, uh, guilty or not guilty? I said, well, I'm not guilty. I'm, I want to get in and go to heaven. He said, well, I've got to find your name in this book. And he went over to a book and he opened it up and he said, well, it says here, that you committed adultery 2,500 times. I said, no, I have never committed adultery. Well, you know, I don't make the law. That's what Peter said. He said, I don't make the law. But the law says if you've ever looked at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. So he said, the way we're going to do it here, he said, I'm going to put this white robe on you. And he put a robe on me that was just as white as it could be. And he had a little bucket of scarlet paint with a brush in it. He said, for every mark we've got against you, I'm going to put a mark on your robe. And he put 2,500 marks on my robe. And then he looked down again and he said, well, you murdered 250 people. I said, I've never murdered anybody. He said, now listen, the law says, if you've ever had hate in your heart, you've already murdered him. And he put 250 more marks on my 
robe. And then he said, you hadn't honored your father and mother. And he went on and he named, just kept on naming and naming. And when he got through, my robe was completely scarlet. I did not have a white spot on my robe. And so I'm standing there completely scarlet. And uh, I said, well, Peter, what am I going to do? He said, well, you can plead your own case or we'll give you an advocate. And I said, I'll take the advocate. Now, at that point, I didn't know what I didn't know advocate meant, what it meant. But when I said, I'll take the advocate, a door opened. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself walked to where I was standing and took that old scarlet robe and pulled it off of me and threw it away and put on me a robe that was as white as wool and said, follow me. And I followed him down through a corridor and there were robes, white robes, just waiting to be put on people. And we walked into the presence of where God was. And as soon as I walked through the door, the Father, God Almighty said, not guilty. Let him go. And I want you to know that changed my life forever. Because I don't go to heaven because I'm good. I go to heaven because Jesus Christ himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses and bore my sin and took every wrong that rightfully belonged to me and took it upon himself and gave me his righteousness. And now I stand before you today because Jesus Christ has made me whole, pure, delivered, set free, a man of God. Hallelujah. So my hope in this life is not how good I am. My hope is how good God has been, will be, and always will be the great almighty God that loves his people so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to bear our sins, to bear our defects, and let us get into heaven pure and holy and righteous, praise God. So that was probably one of the greatest things God's ever done to let me know I am not on my own worthy to go to heaven. But because of Jesus, I have a divine right to boldly walk into the presence of God because I've been saved washed in the blood of Jesus, and I'm born again. Hallelujah. So when we talk about being born again, we're talking about our spirit man is born again. We're a child of God, but we still have a soul and we still live in a body. So God has come up with some things that he wants that makes us bring our soul and bring our body into the obedience of God's word. One of those things that God has designed is found in 1 Corinthians chapter four. And it says this, moreover, 
it is required that a man be found faithful. It's required. Now, I don't know if any of you know how powerful that word is. Required means there's no plan B. It's required. I, went in, I graduated from high school in 1954, and I was 17 years old. And I don't know why, but somehow in my heart was a desire to go to college. Now, when you're raised dirt poor, sharecropper, you don't have any money to go to college. But this was during, right after, it was during the Korean War. And if you went into the service, you could go to college on a GI Bill. So I graduated from high school on Friday. And on Monday, I was on my way to San Diego for the Navy. I went in on what they call a kitty cruise. If you go in when you're 17 years old, you get out the day before you're 21. So I spent about three years and several months in the Navy on a kitty cruise. And when it was time for me to get out, my goal was to go to school on the GI Bill. Now the only college that I knew was the University of Alabama. And so I wrote to the University of Alabama and got a application, sent it in and I was accepted. So I got out of the Navy, went to the University of Alabama. And while I was there, I was working out my schedule of graduation. It normally takes four years to go to college. And uh, I didn't go to college to play. I went to college to get out. <laughs> so I found out if you wanted to, you could go to summer school and graduate in three years. So I planned my schedule. I know exactly what I've got to do to graduate. I'm going to get out of college in three years. I get down to the last semester, which is a summer semester. I'm about to get ready to graduate. I am, I've been in class for one week when I get called and said, they need to see you in the dean's office. I go to the dean's office and they said to me, Mr. Evans, we noticed by your transcript that you did not take geography. I said, yes, I know I didn't. I was in the Navy. I've seen a lot of geography. And I... <laughs> took this instead of geography. And they said, Mr. Evans, geography is required. I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't really need geography. So I didn't want to take it. So I didn't take it. They said, Mr. Evans, ge geography is required. I mean, no required means no plan B. There's no plan B required. So I had to start taking geography about two weeks into the summer semester, which is about half of the semester's already gone. And I'm telling you, my worst semester was trying to cram geography into the summer semester. But thank God I did it. And thank God I graduated. But geography was required. If the Bible says... Moreover, it is required that a man be found faithful, trustworthy, dependable. There is no plan B. There's no other way to go. You can't live sloppy down here as a Christian 
and expect to get all the benefits that belong to being a Christian before you, uh, you know, get off base too far. I'm here to tell you it's required for you to be found faithful. And according to, <clears throat> according to the Bible, the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, three main areas where you have to be faithful. You have to be faithful in little things before God gives you bigger things. Number two, you have to be faithful with your money before God will trust you with spiritual things. Number three, you have to be faithful in that which is another man's before God will give you that which is your own. Now those three areas are required. Required, no plan B. There's not another way to go. There is not, well, I don't like that. What, I don't like that way, so I think I'll go over here and go this way. No, you're on God's plan, and his plan is it is required that you be found faithful, and you've got to be faithful in little things. You've got to be faithful with your money, and you've got to be faithful in that which is another man's. And if you don't do that, then you are not in the process of doing what the Bible says that you must do. You are required to be found faithful. So this is the way we have to, we have to bring our soul and our body into line to what, what does the Bible teach? See, you're, you're immediately born again. You immediately have a ticket to heaven for your spirit, but you need to get your soul and you need to get your body in line with the word of God. And we have to work on that. And these are things that we have to do. So if we're gonna be faithful in, a, in little things, then you have to decide, I'm gonna be faithful in little things. Now I wanna, I wanna give you, this is what God, how God taught me. I was walking out of a restaurant, June, and I, I think June was with me, I don't remember, but I took a piece of gum out of my pocket unwrapped it and threw the paper on the sidewalk and put the gum in my mouth, started walking off. And, and suddenly I just felt, you know, I'd, I just felt, pick that up, pick it up. I said, it's just a little piece of paper. That's why, that's why we pay the street workers. They have to have something to pick up. And I walked for two blocks arguing with what now I know was probably God. And finally I said, okay. And I went back for two blocks and picked up that little piece of gum wrapper. And I know now if I hadn't been faithful to pick that gum wrapper up, I'm gonna be in trouble in the long run. I, I remember one time I'd pulled up to a little quick market and I ran in and I got me some a few, a few little goodies and got back in my vehicle and started driving off. I looked at my change, we're gonna put it in my pocket and I thought they, they gave me 13 cents too much. And I said, well, that doesn't amount to anything. And I put it in my pocket. And then I started driving away, that voice. Go back, that's not yours. 
Well, it's just 13 cents. That's not your 13 cents. Go back. That's not your 13 cents. I drove about a mile and had to turn around and drive back and give them 13 cents. They looked, like, looked at me like I was crazy. 13 cents. You have to be faithful in little things before God will give you bigger things. 13 cents is little. A little gum wrapper is little. The little things are important. The little things determine what God can do in the big things. If God can't trust you with 13 cents, he's not going to trust you with $100,000. You have to be faithful in the little things. We're getting our soul and our body in line with what God wants. Our spirit man is okay. We're born again. But we have a soul and we have a body. And these are areas where we have to work. We have to be sure that we're faithful in little things. We have to be sure we're faithful with the way we handle our money, what we do with our money. I believe, based on my experience, the greatest thing, I believe as far as money is concerned, the greatest thing that I ever did is start tithing. It is absolutely supernatural. I mean, you, you can't, and I, I'm going to be speaking Wednesday night, and I'm, I'm going to share some of this with you Wednesday night. But it is absolutely impossible to put, now I'm a CPA, so if anybody ought to know how to do it, I ought to know how to do it. You cannot put on paper what God does supernaturally. Impossible. And it's one of the things that I believe if you're going to be faithful, you have to be faithful with your money. And the Bible is clear. The tithe belongs to God. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. The tithe, God said it in, in the Old Testament, the tithe is mine. It's mine. It's not yours. 10% of everything you get is mine. It's what God says. And I know some, some people say, well, that's Old Covenant. Well, I know the curse of the Old Covenant has been taken by Jesus, but the blessings of the Old Covenant could still be ours. Hallelujah. So you might lose the curse, but you also lose the blessing if you don't tithe. And the blessing is far better than any of the curse. Praise God. So you don't want to miss the blessing. Be faithful with your money. Be faithful with that which is another man's. I know when I first got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we were in the Methodist church and we lost our, our preacher who was a real godly man and they sent us a, a map pastor that probably wasn't even born again. I mean, he, if he preached Dear Abby, you thought you'd heard a sermon. But I, th I told you and I said, I can't live on this. I've got to have somebody that preaches the Bible. So I said, I'm just going to look in the paper and see if I can find anything that says Holy Ghost. So I started looking at the Bible 
And I saw I had Holy Ghost Revival. Evangelist Don Arnold from Dallas, Texas. I said to June, I'm going to go to that Holy Ghost Revival and see what it's about. And I went and it was Holy Ghost. <laughs> People running and shouting and speaking in tongues and waving and dancing. And, but when the evangelist got up, he was preaching the Bible. And I went back and I said, well, there was a lot going on I didn't like or didn't understand, but he preached the Bible. I want you to go with me. The next night, June went with me. Now, how many of you know you can tell when your wife's upset? <laughs> she was upset big time. And when we walked out, she said, don't you ever bring me to a place like this again. <laughs> and a month later, we were members. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Sometimes you pay a price. There may be things you don't like, you don't understand. But if the word of God is being preached, you can grow. You can be built up. You can get your, your spirit man built up in the things of God. And so God wants to take control of your life and do supernatural things. But you have to be faithful. You have to be faithful in little things. Be faithful with your money. Faithful in that which is another man's. I know I was a, when we joined the tabernacle in Gadsden, Alabama, uh, they were, it was a revival center. They'd have one revival be, you know, like a two-week revival, take a week off, start another two-week revival. We missed the 70s. We were in church, you know, seven days a week. So we didn't get it. We don't know what happened in the 70s. But we grew up, praise God. And the things, uh, and, and one of the things that uh, we were having, they were having a, a little financial trouble and uh, one day they asked me, they, they wanted, they said, would you mind receiving the offering? Well, I, I said, no, I'll be glad to receive the offering. So I got up and I started talking about the offering and evidently it was anointed because people got excited and the offering was big, a big offering. So I became the official offering taker upper. <laughs> and then they made me the treasurer of the church. And then I was, uh, you know, the associate pastor of the church. So, you know, just, just through that one taking up an offering, God used it to kind of elevate me into the, the ministry. I was still a CPA, still working a job. But things begin to move in a supernatural way. And God began to use me in things that I never thought that God would use me in. But it started out when I was faithful in little things, I was faithful with my money and I was faithful in another man's ministry. I didn't get any, I didn't take any credit for the offering being big. I just, you know, thank God that God was using me to help this church grow and help the pastor. And so those are things that we do that help us become in, the, in our soul and in our body what God wants us to be. It's a process. Now, from a spiritual standpoint, you're born again immediately. But you have to bring your body and you have to bring your soul into subjection to the Word of God. You have to work on that. You have to spend time on that. And then another thing is that if you're a man of God, I believe you have to take that testimony 
into the marketplace, just like Mark has preached ever since he's been here, you have to own your 50 feet. You have to go out there in the world and you have to be effective with the way you present the gospel. You have to do it in a way that, you know, fits your personality. Not everybody's gonna walk up to people and preach a sermon, but everybody can live for God. Everybody can talk about God in a, in a natural way. The way that I did it was that when I was talking with people and they would say, well, you know, I'm having trouble on this or that or that. And I said, well, let me pray for you. I have never in my life had anybody refuse me to pray for them. Not one time. And they said, sure, pray for me. And when people would, you know, when I was, uh, in, I had two, three partners, two of them were Jewish and one of them was non-Christian. And uh, they wanted me to go into partnership with them. And so I finally, I agreed to. And after I'd gone into partnership, I was talking to the senior partner and he had me in his office and he said, uh, did we ever tell you uh, why we hired you? And I said, no, we never did. He said, well, we ran a check on you. I said, you did? He said, yeah. I said, well, how did the check come? How did it turn out? He said, well, they said you were a good accountant but you were greatly fanatical in your religion. I said, well, that's me. <laughs> and he said, well, we decided that we did want you to come into partnership with us, but we, would, we don't want you to preach or anything in the, in the office. And I said, well, no, I'm not gonna do that. And then, and then but he didn't know my secrets. Did you know, and I'm going to let you in on this secret. Don't tell lost people. Because you're born again, God goes everywhere you go. He goes to work with you. Rides in the car with you. Everywhere you go, God goes. Now here's something that some of you may not know. If God's in me and I touch you, God touches you. Now this is, this is I don't know if it enlightens anybody else, but it was a, a marvelous revelation. Everybody that came into my office, I touched them. Now I didn't touch them like that. I touched them on the shoulder. Good to have you. And did you know, when I touched them, God touched them. And they'd wind up asking me or telling me, I don't know what I'm gonna do about my son or my daughter. Or I don't know how we're gonna get out of this mess. And, and, and then it would lead to, well, let's just ask God to help you. Praying for him. You see, God, now here's something that we have to understand. God is a supernatural God. God goes everywhere you go. And if you live for God sensibly, lost people are not offended. Now you can run lost people off if you try to get religious. 
But if you just live like God's real and God's alive and God's in me and everywhere I go, God goes. And if I touch people, God touches them. You begin to leave a testimony that you are something different than ordinary people in the world. And I know I've, my partner that was not saved, he wanted me to go to one of his businesses down in close to Mobile. It was a big manufacturing company and I, I sort of said, well, I'll go. And uh, so I went down there and walked into the chief financial officer's office. And as I walked in and he stood up and he, oh, G-D-D-D-G-D-B-S, you know, all these curse words started come, coming out of his mouth. And then suddenly he stopped. He said, oh, he said, excuse me, Reverend. <laughs> he said, your partner called me. And your partner, who's, who's lost, said, don't you curse in front of that man of God. <laughs> and, and he told me that. And I thought, I didn't have to say a word. God was looking out for me. Used a lost partner to tell him, you treat him like a man of God. I don't know about you, but... Uh, if I'm going to be a man of God, I want, I want God to know that I know that I'm a man of God. Hallelujah. I want God to know that everywhere I go, God goes. I want God to know that when I lay hands on people, even in a natural way, that God on the inside of me can touch them in a supernatural way that causes them to want more of God, more of what God has to offer. I want people to know God is alive. God moves by his spirit. So thank God we're running out of time and I've got about another sermon to go, but I'm going to be respectful of our time and you'll have to come back another time to get the full impact of this sermon. But lay hands on yourself. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus Christ died for my sins, died that I could be made whole in my spirit, in my soul, and in my body. Thank God I'm born again. I'm a child of God. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to put God first in my life. I'm not going to live for the devil. I'm going to live for God. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Thank God from this moment forward. Devil, you've lost me. I'm on God's team. And we're winners in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a clap for that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand to your feet if you would.
God said, this is what the Lord just spoke to me. He said, there's a, there's a number of people here that you're in financial difficulty. I don't want anybody, just close your eyes right now. You're in financial difficulty. God said, I want to help them. And so if that's you, just lift your hand up and I'm going to pray for you. Nobody looking around who's see whose hands up. But if that's you, just lift your hand up and I'm going to pray for you. Keep it up while I pray. Father, you see these hands of these precious people. They have a financial need. And Lord, there is nothing in this life or in this world that's too hard for you. And so I pray for them, even as you instructed me, Lord, that you are going to help them out of this financial crisis, financial need, you are going to move in a supernatural way in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give God praise for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Somebody's been having trouble in your, in your stomach, I presume. It feels right, like in, right in here. Uh, just lay hands on, on that part of your belly. God's going to touch you in Jesus' name. Thank you for healing that person, Father. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody's got a, a jaw tooth that's bothering you. God wants to touch that. Hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for touching that in Jesus' name. Healing that. Raising it up. Hallelujah. 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 I, I want to pray for There's several people here concerned about it's either your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. It's not somebody in your home. It's somebody that's in that category, a grandchild, a great-grandchild, or somebody like that. Praise God. Now, just under your breath, call their name out right now to God. Under your breath. Just, you don't have to do it where people hear you, but just call their name out where God knows that's who, you, who you're standing for. Father, in Jesus' name, you heard these names. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we now receive the salvation of every name uttered. And we give you praise for it. In the name of Jesus, give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.